You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah, a sermon from our series entitled House Rules, a study on the book of 1 Timothy. For more information, visit us at cbcsavannah.com. You're welcome to join 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. I will be there. All right, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And if, you're, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in, in the front of you. You can kind of find that First Timothy in the table of contents. We'll have the scripture on the screen. Um, one of the things we do as a church weekly is we kind of open the scripture. We work through books of the Bible predominantly just to kind of get context and idea and, and running thought. So we've been in First Timothy. Uh, if you are a, a household that there's children, which is many of us, not everyone, you probably have some place in the, in the house that's got names dates and a little line written on the wall. Or for us, it's in the laundry room. There's a little, little, little door frame and there are little lines. It says, so-and-so, you know, August 2008 or whatever. And, and, and the point and the purpose of that section is to show how much growth has taken place, right? And in my house, we celebrate growth, okay? <laughs> so so when, when you get above dad... You have arrived, which is not much of a challenge. But so if you're over five, six, we're like, whew, got common grace, right? So, but, but, but growth is exciting, right? Growth is good, not just physical growth, in every area, right? So if you're a runner and man, you, you, you just ran a half marathon and you dropped two minutes on your time, that's exciting, right? If you are, you know, technologically challenged and then you finally figure out the remote and how do I get to Netflix versus, you know, the CNN or whatever, you figure that out. That's when you don't have to call your teenager anymore from his room. I can't find the news. That's exciting for people, right? You, you get two points higher on the ACT. You're like, yes, I can finally get into a college. You know, you're, you're ex- growth is exciting, Right? It is. Um, and what's also exciting is spiritual growth. In fact, here's what I want us to get this weekend. I told this first service, I want to tell you. Jesus wants his church to grow. Not just numerically. Yes, he wants to reach more people. Yes. Uh, but, but no, I'm not talking about numerical growth. Jesus wants you, Christian, teenager, 8-year-old, 88-year-old, to grow. And, and, you know, I'm done. I hit my growth spurt at like 28, right? You know, physically I'm done. Spiritually, God never wants us to stop. He wants us to grow. And so you cannot get throughout, through the New Testament without seeing this idea of growth. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says. Here's what, here's, let me just read a, a few things that Paul says to the Ephesian church. And this is kind of where we get our, we gather what? To equip we grow into our specs so that we may go and be the church. That's what we are. You summarize CBC, gather to equip, grow into our specs so that we can go. Our vision is to be the church, not to do church, to be the church. But Paul says in Ephesians 4, he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip for the work of ministry until we all attain unity of faith for the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood. That's growth. Later on, he says, you're not tossed to and fro like children. But he says that we are to, speaking the truth in love, grow up into him who is the head. The desire of Jesus is for you to grow. And, and just like in the physical world, there's things that keep you from growth. Maybe you want to grow a garden. 
right? Tomatoes, whatever, kale, disgusting foods, you know, whatever, right? You, there, there's things that hinder that growth, drought, bugs, you know, weeds. If you want to lose weight, there's things that, that, that hurt your growth, Mickey D's, right? Pizza Hut. These things hinder growth. In the spiritual world, there are things that stymie, that stagnate your growth. And I don't know where you are in the room, and I don't know where you are in your, in your faith walk, and your journey, but I know this. At some point in your Christian life, there's going to be a little bit of stagnation, and there's going to be slowness, and even atrophy as a part of our journey. And, and we need to get through that. And the Apostle Paul is going to give us some principles. I think there's multiple principles, but he's going to give us three this morning. So wherever you're at, whether you're blowing and going or if you're just kind of a little bit stagnant, that you would grow spiritually. And, and it's important that you hear this, okay? If you hear nothing else, hear this. You cannot, say, I cannot, make myself grow. You cannot make yourself grow Physically or spiritually? I mean, you can grow physically this way by just eating bad, right? Okay, we get that. But just like I can't make myself taller, you have no power in yourself to grow yourself spiritually. But what you do have power to do is put yourself in environments and a place where God can supernaturally move through his people, through his scripture, through the spirit of God to grow you up. So our job is to put ourselves in the right place. It is his job to grow. So Paul, when he tells the Corinthians, he's like, you know, this guy watered, this guy did this. All of us did these little pieces, watered, sowed, cultivated. Only God brought the growth. That is the way it works. So don't go in, I'm going I'm to do this. And I'm gonna, you know, if, you, if that's your perspective, you're just going to end up being a legalist and frustrated. All right? But understand, what we're talking about in growth is putting ourselves in positions where God can miraculously do what he does Bring about life change in his church. All right, so let, let's jump in. Paul has been a, a kind of a review real quick. He had to leave Ephesus, go to Macedonia. And so he leaves country boy, Bloomingdale boy, Timothy, in big city, kind of New York City, to pastor this church that's got some struggles. There's been false teachers who have crept in and they're corrupting the hearts and minds of these people so that their, their growth is stunted. So Paul is saying, Kind of, here's the house rules, as we call this series. Here's what I want you to just put in front of people. Just do this, do this. Expose them to this. Put the false teaching away. Enough of their rules. They got all these rules. You can't get married. You can't eat meat. You can't eat all these dumb rules, which Paul later will say. They have the appearance of holiness, but they have no value, really, spiritually. All these do's and don'ts, right? That's not what spirituality is. We're talking about the gospel, and they've lost it, right? And so Paul's going to kind of come back and say, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's how I want you to grow. So let's jump in verse six. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words and the faith of the good doctrine that you have followed. What are these things he's supposed to put before? Everything he's been talking about so long, so far, and, and stuff after. They're, they're corrupting the gospel. He said, expose them back to the truth. That is your job. That's all your job is. And if you do that, there's an if then, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, right? And this kind of, to me, it reminds me of, you know, Jesus' statements when, when the, you're standing before Jesus and he says, well done. You want to be a good servant? Real simple. Just expose people to the truth. Tell them the truth. Live out the truth. This is super comforting for me, y'all, kind of as, as teacher guy. 
Because I can't really control anything. I can't control my dog. I can't control my cat. No one can control a cat. Cats are just weird, right? That's why they're satanic, but that's another story. Okay? I can't control. Some of you think, oh, I'll just do this. I'll control my kids. I'll do that. I'll I'll drag them off to to camp. I'm going to force them to go to camp. By the way, if you didn't see the slide, camp sign up today, $100 off for this week. That's not a sale. I'm not a car salesman. That's actually true. All right, save you 100 bucks. sign up for camp. It is good. Camp is great. But you can't, I can't control anything. I cannot change a heart. You cannot change a heart. So what is my job as a good servant? My job is to lift the truth up. And then you can do with what you want. I'm going to urge you. I'm going to beg you on behalf of God to be reconciled to Christ. But I can't make you. That's super comforting to me, y'all, isn't it? Because I'm not in control. God is. And so all I have to do is be faithful to the truth, expose people to the truth, and I'm going to trust him that he's going to do what he's going to do. But that's what he's telling him. Just get these false guys out and just remind them of these things. Here's the house rules. And then he says this, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. All these rules, don't drink, chew, go with girls to do. They got all these, these crazy rules, right? You can't get married. You can't eat meat. You can't eat steak. You can't have shrimp. I mean, all these dumb rules that were like, are you kidding me? Right? This legalism. He says, stop. Just get them. Stop this debate. And we're not fighting about that, right? We're, we're all like, steak, yes, is good. Most of us, all the spiritual people are saying steak is good, right? <laughs> Hamburgers, yes. That's not our debate. But what we get in the church like this is, you got guys, well, let's just talk about, are you a five-point Calvinist? Are you a four-point Calvinist? Are you a three-and-a-half-point Calvinist? Or, well, let, me, let me have your eschatology. Let's talk about the rapture. Let's talk about that thing. All right, look, if you want to talk about eschatology, I will go and talk about it with you. But understand this. You will take me to Ruth Chris, and you will pay, and I will get the most expensive thing on the menu. Because if I'm going to spend an hour talking eschatology, I'm going to eat well. Because I got things I got to do, right? And look, I'm a little bit facetious. I like eschatology. But the point is this. Stop arguing about all these little things. What kind of school should you do? What kind of this? Should you have a glass of wine? Should you not? Those are the little things that they're making all these rules on. He says, have nothing to do with that. But here's what I want you to do. Here's the positive. I want you to train yourself for godliness. All right, and we're going to camp there for about the whole sermon. All right? Train yourself. Now, it doesn't say make yourself godly. Understand that. But what you are to do is get into the spiritual planet fitness. In fact, the word for, for train yourself is the Greek word gymnazo. This is the biblical precedence for PE, right? For gym. Uh, this is where we get our word gymnasium. Okay? So the idea is here's how, you get, here's how you put yourself in a position for God to move. You get in the spiritual planet fitness. And you get yourself. Notice it says train yourself. Not train your roommate. Not train your, your, your wife. You get in the gym spiritually. Right? And so here's the first thing. If we are going to grow, if you're going to grow in godliness, right? If you're going to put yourself in a place, that, and the first thing is you have to make the commitment to grow. You got to make the commitment. You got to put yourself in a position for God to move, for God to mold, for God to change. Because there's a misbelief in the church, and we see it, especially in the southern church, that I will grow towards commitment. Right? As some of us, we've been here for three years. 
Haven't committed to anything. Right? And that's this idea that we grow towards commitment. You do not grow towards commitment. You build on commitment. You don't grow towards it. You commit and then you build. Right? And so 1992, fall 1992, I made a commitment. Right? I showed up in Charleston, South Carolina on a hot, humid Monday morning and my life was radically changed. Okay? I went to a, a highly regimented college, which basically made everybody look the same. They shaved our heads. They gave us the same clothes. They gave us the same book bag. They told us how to walk. They told us how to eat. They told us when to eat. They told us how to sleep. They told us how to speak. They told us how fast we should walk. They told us how we should climb stairs. They told us how we should study. They told us everything. There was no more individuality, right? And we're all my boys are off at Penn State and Pitt, and they're all having fun, and I don't even have a phone. You're like, why did you do that? I have no clue. But there was something in me that wanted to join this 150-year tradition of being part of the long gray line. And I was hoping that as a citadel man, it would provide opportunities for me down the road, that it would mold me into something. But it took a commitment when I showed up. It helped that my father, an ex-Marine, said, you will walk home if you quit to Philadelphia. That solidified the idea of I'm committed, I'm in, right? There was never any, well, maybe my dad will come get me. No, I know that answer. But the idea was, then I built upon that. And, And as a Christian, you don't make yourself godly, but some Christians are not growing is because they have not committed themselves. They have not got in the spiritual gym, right? And, and when we talk, understand, look, there's a temptation when we talk about godliness. For some of you, uh, to just kind of, you know, it's all about do's and don'ts. We're not talking about that. But we get this, and we get this in the physical realm, right, that you have to get into the gym. You want to lose some weight. You want to get the belt to fit. You want to whatever, fit in the pants you used to wear. Then you have to get off the couch and put down the ho-hos, now, ho-hos are great. They are common grace, gift of God. If you've never had one, you need to have a ho-ho. But you don't need to have six ho-hos. But if you want to lose weight, you know you have to do what? You have to move. Just like Isaac Newton said, objects in motion tend to stay in no- motion. That's physics, but it's good in spiritual life too. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. You, you got to get in the gym. You want to plant a garden. You want tomatoes and kale and celery and what all these other, you know, sinful foods that God cursed at, in Genesis 3. Fine, but it's not going to happen if you're just sitting around watching HGTV and, and the, you know, the farming channel. Isn't that great? Those are the most beautiful watermelons I've ever seen. It's not going to happen unless you go outside. Now, I'm not a garden guy, so I don't know how to do it, but I'm assuming there's some digging and some seeds. I know there's water involved. And fertilizer, probably, and weeding, and I get that part. But it's not going to happen sitting on the couch. You're not going to grow just sitting on the spiritual couch. Right? But now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about let's go, I got to do 16 different things. Because our temptation, we think of godliness, is do's and don'ts, right? He's godly. Why? Because I see him at Starbucks reading his Bible. He may be godly or he may be a Pharisee. That's between him and his God. Because the Pharisees, if there was Starbucks in the first century, they would have been there reading Deuteronomy. That's what they would have been doing. All right? It's just sort of. 
So it, it, we, don't, we think of it in terms of do's it. Oh, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't smoke. He doesn't, he doesn't cuss. He doesn't watch you know, anything over G-rated movies. He only watches Disney, whatever. That's, that's godly. Maybe, but when we talked about godliness earlier, if you flip back just a, a few pages, it says, here is the mystery of godliness. He, remember? Godliness is not do's and don'ts. Godliness is Christ. That's what godliness is. It's not a bunch of, of lists and rules. Now, other things that God says, don't do this and do this, yes. But godliness is Jesus. So the goal for us in getting in the gym is not a list of rules. It is to be like Christ. So when you wake up in the morning, the question is not, what am I going to do or not do today? That's a bad question. It's rooted in you being able to do something to make yourself more godly. A better question is, who am I going to be like today? Am I going to be like Christ or not? So you got to keep that goal in mind. The goal, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, the goal is not just to get to heaven. If you're a Christian, that's, been, that's kind of solid, right? You're not going to get there or not get there based on you anyway. Jesus has secured your heaven. The goal is not to get to heaven. That is your destination. The goal is to be more like Jesus. That is his desire for his church. He wants you to grow to be more like him. And the way you, only way you do that is, is you get in the spiritual gym and you know him. Right? You know, you gotta, we got to keep that in mind. That's the goal. Just like in the physical world. If my goal is to increase my vertical jump, it's my goal. How am I going to train for that? Well, I'm not going to get in the gym and start doing bicep curls. Yeah, this is good. It's good for Tybee. That's what that's good for. Right? <laughs> It's not good for my vertical. If I want to train for my vertical, i got to start doing stuff like squats and all these things. I don't do any of that stuff either. But I'm sure it's leg-oriented. Okay? Because I have a goal. If I want to be like Christ, that's the goal. i got to focus there that I'm going to, I'm going to do things that do that. So I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Not so I can check off my Deuteronomy quiet time. Because the more I know him, the more I will be like him. But there's also things, if this is part of, of getting in the gym, I'm going to have to remove things. Actually, the word that's gym not so, that's translated train, it's used outside of the scripture and in, in the secular world of its day of, I mean, kind of weird, but men who didn't do gymnastics in the nude. The idea was they would strip off all their clothes and do gymnastics. Why? Because their clothes would be a hindrance. All right, now I'm not going to go to that match. Um, <laughs> but the idea, though, is if you're going on a jog and you want to win a race, you don't wear a sweatshirt because it bogs you down. You remove the hindrance. If you struggle with your weight, then you remove the Twinkies. If you struggle with the debt, you remove the credit card. If you struggle with the boys, you remove the boys. That, the idea is if I'm in the gym, what is hindering me from my goal and whatever it is, I pull it out. That's training. Right? Is it discipline? Yes. Now, there's got to be some, you got to chill. Some of you are real type A, and you're like, yeah, and then you're all of a sudden like going to, you know, kind of take the world and blow everyone up around you because I'm, I'm training for, for Jesus. Just remember, it's not some rigidity that's like, man, I got this, I got this, I got this. There's got to be freedom for the Spirit of God to work. So if you're that type A mom and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a quiet time every morning, blah, 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 and you're reading your Bible and the little six year old comes in, like, mommy, mommy, will you be? And you're like, quiet, daughter, I am reading the scriptures to my Savior. If that's you, you've missed the point. Because this, this is what God has for you right now. 
So let's, let's be a little flexible, but that doesn't mean we're lazy and we're spiritually on the couch. All right? The goal is not legalism. The goal is not the process. It's the goal to know Christ. And so here, here's what getting in the gym for us might look like. And look, there's a bazillion applications I could throw out there. And I trust if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you, that, that you know, you'll kinda, he'll kind of put his finger on it. But it might look like this. Let's talk about work. We talk about work a lot. And usually when I talk about work, I talk about working hard, right? Because that's good. I want to hit another side of it. So you want to you see godliness in your work, right? Some of you are workaholics. You work too much. You cannot stop thinking about work. You come home at 6 o'clock and you have your phone. And every time it buzzes, you're like, oh, and you're responding. Before bed, you have to check email one more time. The iPad's sitting there on the kitchen table. And you can't walk by it without checking something. That's you. Others of you, okay, you're... you're Things at home are kind of tense right now. You and your spouse aren't getting along or you and your teenage daughter aren't getting along, whatever. So because you don't want to deal with it, you, you escape into your work, making it, oh, I'm just working hard and providing for my family. But really, you're running from that and you're escaping into your work because you don't want to deal with that, right? All, it's all sorts of different things. And the idea here is this. God, there is a godly peace of work that involves rest and recreation. That some of you who haven't taken a day off in a long time, some of you wear a badge that you haven't used your vacation time in two years. Well, that's just dumb. You're working for free for two weeks a year. That's called moronic to me. I don't know about you. At least sleep in. But you wear it as a badge. I want to do this. And so hard work is good. Yes, rest and recreation are good. Jesus would pull these 12 men away. And say, you guys, we've been doing ministry hard. Let's go, let's go chill out and eat fish on the beach. Let's go hang out and laugh on the side of the mountain. Let's go. And Jesus himself would get away and just be alone and pray. For some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do with this afternoon would be go home, turn on NASCAR or golf, and fall asleep. And then the beauty of that is you wake up and you see the end of the race or the end of the masters every time. That's the way it works. Right? That's why God created golf and NASCAR, because you could fall asleep and see the end on a Sunday afternoon. That's the most spiritual thing you could do. But you need to work rest and recreation into your rhythm of life. So you need to, okay, we're gonna be, I'm going to start getting in the spiritual gym. Which means I'm going to start going to bed by 11, which means I have to put down this little phone and all these likes and like, 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 cry face, love, like, 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 like. I have to like all the comments that people liked about my picture. It's ridiculous. You need to put that puppy down and go to sleep. That's godliness for you, right? You need to plan for this summer. You need to get with your spouse and say, okay, uh, we have two weeks off and we're going to use one at Thanksgiving. So what are we going to do? Okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to mark it on the calendar, July 9th through July whatever. We're going to, you know, even if you don't have money to go anywhere, we're going to do a staycation. We're going to go to Skidaway and camp. We're gonna, that you would put this into your life, into the rhythm of your life, weekly, monthly, yearly, that you would schedule time for your wife. This is godliness. I know you think, no, work hard. It's more than working hard. Some of you need to learn to say the most simple word in the history of the human language, no. It was your first word, by the way. It wasn't mama, dad, it was no. Everyone say no. no. See how easy that was? You want to work overtime this week? No. You're right. Uh, can you just have one more meeting tonight? No. All right, it's, see, it's simple. How easy is that? It's not so easy for some of you. 
It's been hard for me for a long time. I finally started, people, you know, like trying to meet, oh, can you meet Saturdays? And you know what, Saturday was my one day off, and even then I wasn't taking a day off, so I've learned to say no and don't feel guilty. So it's not that I don't love you if I say no to you on a Saturday. I promise. I'm, I'm, but it's just, I, I got to do it. And godliness is just is, is more than just work hard. It's understanding that. So that, that might be just getting in the gym for you. How about another thing would be a big challenge for us is our mouth, right? We don't, you don't have to teach your kids. You don't have to teach adults to complain, to be critical, to, to whine, to tear people down, to lie. You've got to teach them the opposite side. And so getting in the gym maybe with our mouth is, is the starting place is... is Maybe hiding some scripture in our heart. The psalmist says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought thee. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So one of the ways that you can keep from sinning against God is to hide God's word in his heart. And, and so just pick a couple verses and start memorizing them and meditating on them. And, and specifically verses that are dealing with the issue that you're dealing with. So if you've got, you got struggles with anxiety... Or depression. You, 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 you memorize passages like casting all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. So that when you feel that stress, you can remind God cares. If it's your mouth, you just go, I mean, there's so many in the Proverbs, you can just keep, you keep going. Let me just give you a few. With the mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. So if you're talking smack about your neighbor, you're all mad, you're destroying him. That's strong language. It's a good thing to memorize. Through the knowledge of the righteous are delivered. Right? Which one sounds more like being the church? The destroyer or the deliverer, right? Uh, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. So you're making fun of your neighbor because he went to Georgia Tech. You're making fun of your neighbor because, you know, whatever. You're, you're, you're looking at that girl across the cafeteria and you're making fun of her outfit or what she did. Whatever it is, when you belittle people, when you mock them, you are actually the idiot. You know what he says? Whoever, you lack sense. So the one who is mocking is the one who is the moron. It's a good thing to remember, right? Especially, hey, if you got 12-year-old kids that are the 9-year-old and the 12-year-old, this is a good one for them to kind of think through. A man of understanding is quiet, right? And who is kind benefits himself. A cruel man hurts himself. So if you're, you know, you're the mean girls, you know, remember that movie from like whenever it was? If you're the mean girls, you're actually hurting yourself. You're the, at the office, you're the, the little clicky guy. You're hurting yourself. He's just hiding those things in your heart. And then what happens is when the opportunity comes to say something, right, God brings to mind these things. Right? Maybe, maybe you're a complainer. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of sarcasm like me. Or maybe you can identify what everyone else in the world does wrong. That's another gift of mine, right? And so when I come home, I can see the five things that my wife should have done and the four things my kids should have done. And, this, and I can identify those things and rattle them off in like a, like a machine gun. So for me, getting in the gym would be, okay, I am going to make sure that I say at least three things positive before I even correct at all. If I even need to correct. So I'm going to ask, hey, hey, buddy, how was your day? You got to be. That is awesome. Congratulations. Great work. Man, you did a great job here. Thanks for cleaning your room. I mean, that's, for me, that's getting in the spiritual gym. I have to do that. Maybe for you, maybe you're kind of you're discontent and you're covet a little bit. So maybe one thing, I did this this morning. It's actually a real fruitful exercise. So the first thing I did when I woke up, I was lying there. And in my mind, I thought of five things that I could be thankful for today. 
And not like, thank you for my house, thank you for my car. I mean like legitimate spiritual blessings. And I, and I marked them down on my mind. And if you want to go to the next step, maybe you write them on a card. Put them on the front of the mini. Boop. Right? So that when you're tempted to, to be impatient and yell at the kids, will you shut up back there? You look down, thank you for my kids, Lord Jesus. And you're like, oh, okay. I'm thankful for you crackheads in the back, you know. <laughs> I, but it's just a constant reminder that's getting in the gym. That's the point. Right? That is the point. So that's what it looks like. Right? Maybe you have a temper issue. Right? Some of us have a temper issue. So you just get in the spiritual gym, start memorizing some of these passages. Soft answer turns away wrath. This is a great one for moms and teenage girls. Right? All the men are like, yep, we run when that happens. Right? Okay? Just let them go. Let it go. I mean, you know, that's the way it is. So it'd be good for the mom and the 16-year-old who, who, who have some conflict to say a soft answer. This is a good one. So that when this one says something, that this one responds in a way that it, that it actually subsides things. Right? That, that's a great one. Uh, hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Slow to anger quiets. Right? This, how good would this be for the board meeting? For the office? For the sales deal? Right? A man of quick temper acts foolishly. A man of evil devices is hated. Right? I mean, Proverbs is just full, right full of these things. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Right? When you're the one that's slow to get mad, that, that's the wise person. Hasty temper exalts folly, foolishness. And we've all seen the guy. This is for me. This is, you know, for me, getting in the spiritual gym means I need to go to less volleyball games because I turn into Satan. Right? Sometimes. So I need to walk away. Right? That's spiritual gym for me. Because slow to anger, right? Temper, right? So when you've meditated on these things and you'll be thinking about them, when the kid spills the milk in the back of the minivan and you know it's going to smell like rotten eggs for six months, I don't flip out, right? It's just milk. Nobody cries over spilled milk except for moms, right? Next idea, maybe it's your spiritual diet or your influences, right? You need, this is an area, y'all, some of you need a little bit more spiritual gym, because you're just kind of letting yourself be exposed to anything and everything in the world, and it's not helping your heart. And I'm not anti-media guy. I mean, look, we got offered two months by Sirius XM, two months free. I was like, heck yeah, 80s on eight, two months free, 90s on nine. Yes, I ain't buying it, but I'll use the two months for free. So I ain't anti that. I went to the movies yesterday. My son, we saw A Quiet Place. Man, scary and good. Right? If you like scary movies. But John, I mean, uh, what's the name from The Office? So good. So I'm not anti-movie guy. But I am going to guard my mind against immorality and my heart. Because I know the mouth speaks that what fills the heart. I fill my heart with garbage and I'm going to live garbage. So some of you need to limit your intake. Some of you, self-control is a, is a Jesus thing. And some of you, you know, you're spending teenagers eight hours on Fortnite. Some of the moms are like, Yes. It's, it's not going to help your soul, right? It's just not. You're going to be like, you're going to go, look like this the rest of your days, right? And you've accomplished nothing. So there's some self-control there. And maybe it's not just eliminating those things. I'm going to spend an hour playing Fortnite, not nine. But I'm also positively, I'm going to get in the gym. So I'm going to wake up 20 minutes early, and I'm just going to read a little scripture. 
You're going to grab one of those daily breads that we have out there, and they got a, a scripture reading plan in them, and you just read that and do that. Or maybe it's, I'm going to read through a book of the Bible, or maybe I'm going to read, since we give out the little booklet so you know what's preaching next week, I'm going to read the passage that Fowler's preaching on next week a couple times so I'm familiar with it. And you're just renewing your mind with truth so that when the falsehood kind of bombards you, you can kind of, nope, nope, I know what truth is. And there's so many, y'all, you don't even have to sit down and drink coffee at your table anymore. You can get in a car and put your Bible app on and just listen to something like James Earl Jones reading Romans. I mean, Darth Vader reading Romans, how good is that? I mean, really, or whatever. I mean, there's podcasts and good music and so many ways to expose yourself to truth. That's getting in the gym. So for some of you, it might be eliminating some negative Nancys in your life. You got this little Bible study that you, you go to, and it just is a complaining fest. So you go there all pumped for Jesus, and you leave depressed. Then you, what you need to do is eliminate that Bible study, because it's cl- clearly not encouraging. What, whatever it is, some of you got to get off the couch if you want to grow. That's the idea. All right? And let me just encourage you real quick. It never, growth is never quick. I, I, there. I know you got that fad diet and this. It's very discouraging after you're on a diet for two weeks and you get on that scale and you're like, I've been eating miserable food and I've gained four pounds. What in the world? That's a, that's a sad day. Spiritual growth takes time. Just like physical growth. My kids aren't like, it's been three days, Dad. How much have I grown? None. You're a fowler. We don't get that tall anyway. But you look back over a year, you're like, oh, man, look, you, got, you got, grew three inches. I used the illustration before, but it's, it's fitting. We have this jar we call it the vacation fund. And if I have change every day, I put it in that little jar. Boop. And at the end of the year, when we go on vacation, just a quarter here and 50 cents there and, and 73 cents there, it, it adds up over time so that when we cast that puppy out and go up to the Publix and pour that thing in a big, you know, 160 bucks. I split it all four ways with my kids. Just a little change every day. Doesn't seem like much, but over a year, 160, 170 dollars. That, that's it. Just a little, a choice of integrity here, a, a little discipline here, a little removal of this here, a little adding of this here, and, and you, there will be, you'll put yourself in a position where God moves and grows. It's that constant deal. This is what the writer of Hebrews said. He says, solid foods for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. That word constant practice, it's the same word, gymnazo. It's a constant. It's not just a one time. We just want to all go to the Family Life Today conference, go to Promise Keepers, go to the women's That's fine, but it's a constant decision, 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 decision. And sooner or later, you're like, wow, it's been growth. That's exciting. All right. That's the first thing. Real quick, the last two. I promise they're quick. Um, So he says in verse 8, picks up. He says, so train yourself for godliness. Bodily training is have some value. He says, exercise is good. He says, don't not exercise. But godliness is valuable in every way. Because it has promise for this present life and also for the life to come. You can exercise all day long, but eventually you're going down. Right? It's good. But he says, godliness is good for now and for then. And we'll come back to that. But then he says, this thing is trustworthy, deserving full acceptance. He said, believe me here. This is why we toil and strive. And I stop there because he uses this word agonizomai. We get our English word agony out of it. He says, we are working hard. We are toiling. We are agonizing for this reason. And, and I think there's, some, there's a little kind of sub point there. And it's this. Life and growth is hard. 
sometimes. But here's the thing. When do you grow the most? When everything's great or everything's hard? How, how do muscles ultimately get built? For those who lift weights, it's, you don't just throw the light weight on. You're like, oh, look how strong I am. Yay, I got the pink weights. Two pounds in each hand. What you do is you put the big plates on and you struggle and you push it up and you come down and maybe you get two reps. You do that a couple times and now, man, I just got three reps. I throw more weight on. I throw more. You are building muscle by adding weight and heaviness and agonizing. That is the way it works in the physical realm. That is the way it works in the spiritual realm. That you actually will grow more in hardship. That stinks. Let's be honest. That's the way it is. And so if you want to grow, here's just a big challenge, but important. You leverage difficult circumstances. And when, when it comes, and it will come, you're not saying, why me? And ooh, it's not fair. And Sally never has anything happen. And you're not looking out. You're looking in and saying, God, you are sovereign. And you knew this was going to happen. You actually allowed this to happen. What do you want me to, how do you want me to grow? That is very difficult, but that is where most growth takes place. And out of the athletic world, again, I'm, I'm thinking it in terms of sports. When you are riding the pine as the, as the short, you're the backup shortstop, you're the backup forward, whatever it is, who's working harder, the guy with the starting position or the guy that that's wants to get the starting position? I can tell you, it's the guy on the bench. He wants to get this guy out so he can be the starter. It's easy to coast when you're on top. But when you're down here, it makes you work hard. That's the idea in the spiritual realm. And so James, the brother of Jesus, says, consider it joy. Count it joy. There's your commitment. There's your choice when you encounter trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And it says, then allow, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect. There's maturity. Trial is purposed so that you will mature. So you got to leverage it. And so the question is this. Are you leveraging your trials or are they leveraging you? This struggle at work, struggle with the boy struggle with the mom, this whatever, the sickness, is it leveraging you or are you leveraging it? Right? So if you're going to grow, you got to leverage your, su your suffering, right? So we commit to grow, we leverage our suffering, and then here, here's how he closes it. He says, to this end we toil, we strive. Why? Because we have our hopes set in a living God. He said, this is why we work hard, this is why we commit, this is why we strive, because our hope is in a living God. He is the Savior of all people. He came to save everyone. Now, who has saved? Those who believe. But he came to save everyone. He said, that is why we do what we do. Right? This, this is the end goal. And, and the last thing is this. You want to grow? Just like Paul, you got to keep the end goal in mind. What is the point? What's the motivation? I, I, I'm going to do something I can't believe I'm going to do. I'm going to quote a Dallas cowboy. All right? Don't do this. It just happens to be Tom Landry. He was a Christian and a cowboy, which is an oxymoron. But that's okay. But he says this, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. See, that's motivation. They want to win the Super Bowl. They don't want to do what it gets taken, but his job is to get them to do what it takes to win that Super Bowl. That's motivation. For us, for Paul says, what is the motivation to make us strive, to make us work hard, to make us commit? It is that. It is a living God. It is a living hope through Jesus Christ from the dead. It is a glory that is revealed that is so much greater than anything we could desire here that our hope is in that. Right? And, and he earlier said, hey, godliness is good for here and it's good for there. How, think about this. Just practically, how is godliness 
good for here. I mean, if you're a boss, an employer, isn't it great that you have a couple guys and gals at the office who you know are going to be faithful? They're not going to cheat. They're going to, uh, you know, not steal. They're going to do their best. They're going to honor. Isn't that a, that's a valuable thing as an employer. You find one of those, you hold on to it. How much value for a, in a world where kids are just confused and there, you know, so much chaos in the home when a mom and dad love each other and love Jesus. How much value and security and comfort for that? Isn't that huge? Or for a church that actually really believes that loving its neighbor is, is the call that God has given us. And your neighbor is the people who hate you, don't like you. It's this guy up the street, the fire marshal that hates us. He hates us, y'all. He hates us. Especially some of y'all parking his daggum driveway. It makes him so mad. We gotta love that dude, even though he hates us. That's the call of the church, right? How much, how much, how valuable is that? How valuable is it to have a friend when they hear you sniffling on the other end of the phone and they're there in 15 minutes and they're praying for you and they're loving you and they're willing to tell you the truth even when you don't wanna hear it? It's, it's hugely valuable for now, but he says it's even valuable more so for, for there because one day every single one in this room well, stand before Jesus and, you'll, and, and he will evaluate your life as a Christian. And, and he will say, hopefully, the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You pursued me. You pursued godliness. And when, when the, at that point, when he wipes away, we already sung every tear from the eye. I mean, how much better? How, that's the motivation. That's what we're looking at. That's the hope of the Christian. It's not here. It's not here. My, my two youngest, um, they did something this week that it really blew me away. I was unbelievable. I never thought they'd be able to do it. These are the two. As soon as they get five bucks, I mean literally, they get five dollars, they want to go spend it. Can we go to Walmart? Can we go to Target? Can we go to Chick-fil-A? It doesn't matter where. They, they might as well just give it to me. I mean, if you want to spend it, give it to me. But they, I mean, after Christmas, they'll have all these presents. They'll open up and they'll get a $10 gift card to Walmart and they'll want to go to Walmart the next day. I mean, it just burns a hole in their pocket as soon as they get it. So about four months ago, they tell me, Dad, me and, me and Trip are going to save up for a Nintendo Switch. I said, oh, that's awesome. How much does that cost? $300. And I'm like, yeah, right. Okie dokie. Yeah, I, you know, I had a better chance of winning a lottery than that happening. Right? But you know what they did? They, they, they committed to that goal. And they started every time, you know, they get, you know, their grandparents give them like five bucks or 10 bucks for an A on their report card. So last semester, they got, you know, like th- he got 30 and he got 40. So they put that little money in this little red box that they have in their room. They take it out the money every like day and count it. <laughs> you know, and they, they put it back in there, right? And then, you know, their sister does this little job for a family in our neighborhood, walking the dog, cleaning up the yard. If she goes out of town for volleyball, they fill in for her. They get $10 here. They put it in there. Every time they get a dollar, they get And then great report cards again, birthday here. And they, you know, they start putting this money away. And, and, all the while, resisting temptation, man. I mean, it would be like Satan would send the Lego magazine, and it would be like, oh, you know, don't they have to throw it out. You know, temptation. You know, somebody would be like, hey, we're going to Walmart. Ah, you know, they go, oh, Liverpool's ice cream. Uh, there's Orbit gum. I mean, it's just constant temptation to want to take the money out, right? And this week, they said, Dad, 
we have enough. And they brought me, and it was just like, you know, it was crazy. It was like, a, you know, some mafia member or something. I got 20s, I got 10s, I got 5s, I got 1s. I mean, I got all over. But I added it up, it was $300. And so I, without them knowing, I was like, yeah, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. But I ordered that puppy for them, uh, I think on like Wednesday, and it came in, and here they are on Saturday. They're all, look at that. Look at that. And I was so proud of them for resisting temptation for uh, denying themselves. Why? Because they wanted to play Mario Kart. And they did for like 12 hours. The last and I've been... But if they can set their mind on something that for them is big, and that is huge for them, and they can be disciplined, and they can be uh, undistracted, and they can pursue that goal, and they can be patient, y'all. I mean, a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, almost 10, for months, just if they can do that, then how about people who have the spirit of Christ living in them, looking for the day of Christ when the, when the savior of the world will come back? That's the motivation. And it's so much greater than Mario Kart, right? And we can't fathom that. And we need, that's why Paul says, this is why we agonize. This is why we toil. This is why we get in the gym. Because when you hear, well done, Oh, my. So here's, here's the challenge, and we'll move to worship. Don't hear the call to get into the spiritual gym and be like, yeah, I need to get in there just like I need to get to Planet Fitness and just let it go in one year at the other. Just, just pick one thing. The Spirit, you, you know where your struggle is. What is it? Just go to the fruit of the Spirit and just say, okay, which one of these do I need? Maybe it's patience. You're like, love, joy, peace, patience. Patience is number four. I need to work on my patience. Start memorizing some passages about patience. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit. Start thinking about how can I be patient today. Actually getting it to the forefront of your mind so that you're not reactionary. So as soon as you go to Duran Avenue, you automatically lose it. You're already thinking about patience when you're turning up on Duran. You're like, ah, ha, ha, I'm ready. But just start getting in the gym on that one area. Don't, don't leave and say, yeah, isn't that great? We should be godly and, and have no plan of action. The point we say we equip so that you can grow, and we grow so that we can be the church. The church is actually doing these things in their lives. It's not just a 75-minute service. You sang some songs. That's what we want. That's growth. So pick one. If you're like, I don't know which one. I'm pretty good at all these. Ask your wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> Ask your husband. Ask your boss. But don't leave and say, ah, yeah, I need to do that. But then you don't get in the spiritual gym. And look, if you need prayer and, and you, need, you have questions, again, we have our prayer team. They'll be in the hall behind us. During this service, they would love to pray with you about these things. You're like, man, I really need prayer and self-control. I can't. We'll, we'll pray for you. We'll give you some help. Come to, yeah, we want to help. We want to help shepherd you in this. We want to help you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Because Jesus wants you to grow. And I do too. Because I want to stand there. Not that I'll be there, but I want to stand there and, he, and hear those words to you. Well done. Well done. All right, let's stand, let's pray, and then we'll sing. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would grow us as a church. Yes, we want to see more people reach with the gospel, but we also want to grow deeper. And so I just pray that you would do that through us, by your spirit, that if nothing else, that your people would see your desire for us to grow, and we would put ourselves in a place in humility where you can grow us. Lord, we thank you for our risen Savior who is our living hope. We thank you that he is the Savior of all men. 
especially those who believe. Uh, and so we worship him now. He is our Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. He is the man of sorrows uh, who now <laughs> seats, seats himself at your right hand, having accomplished all that you, you gave him to accomplish. And so we worship him in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name's sake.